Hey everybody, it's Ian King, founder of King Sports International. In today's call, we have a special guest in John John Park, son of the late Reg Park. John, thanks for taking the time to join us on this call. You're more than welcome. I'm sorry for the delay and the difficulties. No, not at all. It, it's run smoothly. International conference calling is all good. Uh, so, John John, you're, you're in Los Angeles at the moment, and just to clarify, because it's a pretty big story, you, you were born in uh, the UK, yes? No, I was born in South Africa, yeah, because my late mum is from South Africa. Okay, so your father was from um, the UK, but he'd already moved to South Africa. He moved to South Africa um, prior to my birth. Um, he met my mum in South Africa. He was invited uh, at the time by a group of theatres after he had won his first Mr. Universe called African Consolidated Theatres to do exhibitions at all the, the various movie theatres throughout South Africa uh, during intermission, which they used to have it back in those days. And he'd do, uh, on a Saturday, of course, they would have a, a matinee and an early show and a late show. And um, he was there for, I think, a few months. And uh, whilst he was there, he met my mom. And um, then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, he... Um, he moved to South Africa, they got married, and uh, he was in South Africa since then. So, just to clarify... So I grew up in South Africa. You grew up in South Africa. So, to clarify, for those who, who are probably aren't as familiar with, with Reg's um, score sheet, he won uh, three times, yes, Miss Universe? Yes, he, he was a uh, man to three times, but the only man to do it at uh, seven-year intervals. So each one of them was seven years apart, so it's a long career. Yeah, 51, 58, 65. Wow. So in addition to that, we, we know he, he was in the movies, and we know he influenced a lot of people in in, um, in bodybuilding, including the man that lives in your same town, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when Arnold came across uh, with other bodybuilders from California, they used to come and stay at your house and, and train with Reg. Right, so um, my dad used to have a chain of gymnasiums in South Africa for over 20 years. And uh, starting in, in, in the 50s, he was pretty ahead of his time. Along with that, he um, had pretty big mail order business, whereby he would sell supplements and uh, gym apparel and gym bags and uh, equipment and uh, 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 different bodybuilding courses. I think you have pretty much the whole selection. And um, every year what he'd do over the Christmas time, he'd bring out uh, one of the, the, the current stars, the mostly American at that stage, and they would tour the country and they'd have a show in each city, major city throughout South Africa, probably about a, 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 a month tour. And uh, they'd have a local contest city like uh, Mr. Natal, the province of Natal, and Mr. Western province, which was the Cape. And the winner of each show would then come to Johannesburg for the grand finale, which would be in South Africa. And um, when visiting each city, he'd go to the biggest chain of department stores in their um, sports section, and they'd set up a whole type of... Um, a platform where they have, you know, equipment and chin-up bars, etc., etc., and then uh, my dad would hold these various contests with the audience and call them up on stage to do uh, how many chin-ups they could do, etc., and 
winner would get a free can of protein powder. But he'd bring these guys with him and interview them at the event. And um, the, the various guys who had come out there would, you know, do exhibitions at the various shows and then, you know, the winners, as I said, of each of each particular province or state show would come to South Africa, Johannesburg and compete in the Mr. South Africa. This was an annual event. It was a very popular event. Uh, he had brought it out over the years, the likes of the first Mr. Olympia was Larry Scott and then uh, another multi-Mr. Universe winner, uh, Bill Pearl, and uh, Arnold, Dave Draper, Chris Dickerson, uh, the list goes on and on, Frank Zane. And when Arnold met my dad, um, it was in the UK, my dad had already won his Mr. Universe, and I believe this was in um, 66, the year after he won uh, the Mr. Universe, and he was doing an exhibition uh, at a show in London. And the promoter of the show said, um, there's a young kid here who's just won a junior Mr. Europe, you his idol, and he wants to meet you. And of, of course it was Arnold. He had a limited command of the, the English language, but he knew everything about my dad, and he said, when will you bring me to South Africa? My dad said, well, if you win the Mr. Universe, I'll bring you. The following year, 67, he won the universe, the amateur universe, and my dad brought him out, and he basically spent two months with us. And they would out on a regular basis every morning at five in the morning, which he wasn't used to. And, um, you know, my dad said to him, if you get your... Your, your calves up, or as they say in America, calves, will be the best bodybuilder in the world. And, uh, you know, uh, the rest is, is history, so to speak. You know, I've, I've said to you in the past, and when I, when I first went to South Africa in the early 90s, I got an insight into how, how more advanced they were in strength training than the Australians. In fact, in, in the sport of rugby, where, which is popular in both countries, they almost laugh at us about how recent our strength training involvement is. Um, the first Australian rugby player at national level who changed his course of his career through strength training was literally, you know, in, in the early to mid-1980s. Um, and the, the strength training was well entrenched in South Africa by then. And after learning of, um, of your story many years ago, I, I wonder just how much uh, Reg has moved to... Uh, South Africa and his uh, prolific business activities, both through the gym and the mail order and the programming, etc. How much that affected, uh, you know, for the better, the spread of strength training in South Africa? And I, I just don't know. I don't know if there's any other influences we can put it down to. Well, that's a very interesting question, and I, I think that he had a, a huge influence in that. And I'll tell you what um, specifically comes to mind in the nineties. Um, the late 90s, I want to say, there was um, a, a former um, Springbok Transvaal rugby player, actually was from Zimbabwe originally, a guy by the name of Ray Mort. I don't know if that rings a bell. Yep. But uh, a pr pretty pro prolific player. And at that time, he was in charge of uh, coaching the, the Transvaal, which, which was called in those days um, the rugby team. And he asked my dad if he would help come and set up strength training programs for, for the team. And uh, he did, but he said it was extremely rudimentary at that stage. And um, 
what he did was he pretty much, you know, put them in groups depending on the positions that they played on the field. Um, as you so well know, you know, uh, not everybody can train exactly the same way. You wouldn't train a marathon runner and a sprinter exactly the same way. Yes. And um, he set them up and, and, you know, they continued with it. And then back in my swimming days, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we we both went through in the system where uh, when we first got involved in, in strength training, where it was frowned down upon, and 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 you know there was this um, adage, this primitive adage that weight training slows you down, and I experienced that a lot with uh, boxing when I was involved in doing the strength and conditioning for boxers, um, but. What happened was um, I started doing strength training for my swimming, and in a matter of time, you know, various coaches throughout uh, Johannesburg were sending uh, their, their swimmers to my dad to put, to put them on uh, strength training programs. At that stage, I remember my dad doing a seminar years ago. There was a, an article in one of the strength magazines. Um, and I believe it may have been the Indiana swim team, which was the late Doc Councilman, of course, where, you know, the likes of Don Schollander and later Spitz came through, and it showed their strength training program. And they were so way advanced compared to, you know, anything anybody was doing in South Africa. In those days, what was very popular off-season, they would call it land training where they would make, you know, the guys run and do things like pulling themselves on the ground along the floor, that, uh, that type of thing. So he was, you know, a little bit more advanced. And then a matter of time, you know, various athletes from various different uh, sports came to see my dad. So I think he had a, a, a very big influence on that, I have to say. And that was that was pretty early too, because I I basically introduced strength training to, in Australian swimming at the elite level, and that was around about um, you know the late '80s, and it was really frowned upon, uh, as you know. So yeah. that may even preceded that time, which uh, again uh, shows a major influence on the history of strength training in South Africa. Yes, because I mean I, I was doing strength training. Um, I'm talking like um, you know early early to mid '70s. Yeah, well, that's real early for swimming. Yeah, yeah, So talk to us uh, very briefly, your experience at the Olympics. So obviously, uh, you know, D- Dad didn't say to you, you know, become a bodybuilder. He was happy for you to become a swimmer. He actually encouraged me. And, you know, I, I always, in the back of my mind, always wanted to pursue bodybuilding. Um, and he said to me, there's plenty of time for that. You know, pursue your swimming career. So... Um, you know, I went to the games in 76, but, you know, looking back, as they say, Ian, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. And, um, yeah, I qualified for the, uh, the Olympics in, in, in uh, 76 in Montreal. At that stage, um, South Africa was banned from all international sports competition. And um, fortunately, through my dad's birthright, I was able to get a British passport. Um, the training facilities back then in South Africa were also pretty archaic. Um, they didn't have um, many Olympic pools uh, that 
that were hit. In fact, um, there was one in Pretoria, um, which came a little later, um, which was in those days, you know, half an hour drive from Johannesburg. And um, there was one, another hour or so's drive from Johannesburg. But um, so it was pretty difficult to get, you know, the um, the right facility. So I, I used to train in a very tiny, old um, um, subterranean uh, pool in, in a club. It was actually 20 yards because uh, that's where my coach and all the coaches in Johannesburg would go during the winter season. And um, as a result, I had, my speed was fine, but uh, my, 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 but my endurance was a little bit lacking. Mm-hmm. My turns, of course, were very efficient because of the short distances. I went to the Olympics. Uh, I came eight, 18th. I was 19. Um, you know, I, I swam for another two years, so 78. But I really, really wanted to pursue the bodybuilding. Uh, you know, regretfully, I mean, uh, you know, one doesn't want to say you have any regrets. Regretfully, I should have continued uh, longer because 19, I hadn't reached my prime. I mean, now you're seeing the top class today, you know, late 20s, even early 30s, they at the peak of their level in swimming. And, you know, I was probably a little bit immature. Um, my dad had said to me, um, you know, bodybuilding today, um, we, we, you know, we're referring in to the late 70s, early 80s, he says he didn't think it was possible to achieve uh, top level without the use of steroids, which is, you know, I, I naively thought that it was possible. I felt that uh, if one trained hard enough, intelligently enough, good nutritional habits and and, and, and uh, the right genetics, it could be achieved. And then I, I came here in uh, 85 when I immigrated and I, um, was training with a former Mr. America, Mr. Universe, a guy by the name of Bob Paris, because I liked his his physique. I thought he had an aesthetic physique. And we trained probably together for about six months, and I did make progress, but I saw that, you know, it was pretty rife with, with the use of, of anabolics. It wasn't a path I, did, I, I wanted to follow, so that's when I got more involved in the personal training. Unfortunately, today, when you look at the scene as it is today, Ian, it's a joke what they took then compared to the guys of today. You know, today for me, it's 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 a complete pharmaceutical sport. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, 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 do I wish I would have carried on swimming another four, maybe eight years? Absolutely. But you know, that's that's one bus gone, and uh, now I'm just trying to do the best I can in, in you know in the services that I, that I offer. Oh, yeah, definitely. So one of the things we can look at in, in, in say, in strength running and bodybuilding, there's a, the goals can be similar, but the end results aren't always. And it's not yeah. just about the results in the peak of the competitive years, but long term. So if you look at some of the uh, outcomes, you know, where where is uh, the health of some of these boys later in life, uh, both from a, a musculoskeletal perspective as well as a, from an organ perspective? Um, you know, there's some... There's some messages in that, and I, I know, um, unfortunately, Red uh, suffered from, uh, I believe, skin cancer, uh, which, which you would say uh, was in part from the sun exposure bodybuilders got in those days, plus things like that. But putting putting that aside, he he was able to train through, throughout his life and didn't really have any major major uh, I- injuries that prevented him from pursuing his training. Uh, but we don't always see that in in older lifters. 
No, he, he had common niggly things like, you know, tendonitis and some shoulder issues, but he was always able to train nothing that required surgery. Actually, he's, the, the, the thing that bothered him was later, and he had already finished his competition then, was that he had had a bad uh, car accident. Him and my mom, mom were involved in a terrible car accident where they were rear-ended, and he hurt his back pretty badly. And uh, he also eventually, he did have to have a hip replacement, which he, you know, he said was from all the heavy squats back in the day. But other than that, he was able to train, you know, for many years. And of course, the, tr the training changed a lot as he got older. Um, and, 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 you know, was a little bit more, I, I guess, sound, where in, in, in his younger days, it was just about moving weight. Um, Interestingly enough, um, as you well know, um, he popularized the uh, five by five method, which um, is very interesting that it's so in vogue again today. Isn't it? <laughs> and uh, and it, it, I, I always smile because I see a number of trainers doing it in the gym. And I just as a matter of interest, go to them and say, do you have any um, knowledge uh, about the history of the five by five? Most of them don't. <laughs> Um, but uh, there was just an article recently in Men's Health about uh, the proponent of Five by Five. A guy who made it popular was my dad. But uh, it's it's very true what you say. I mean, if you go on the internet today and you see there's a list of 15 bodybuilders that have died in recent years, and the interesting thing is they all of uh, they died at a youngish age. Um, you know, some in their 30s, 40s, um, most of them seem to have been um, organ organ f uh, failure, you know, problems, which we, we could only surmise is from one thing, you know. So I think it's today it's more of an abuse than, you know, using for the benefit of health purposes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he was able to, you know, as you said, train for a long time, you know, pretty much up until when he got ill. Absolutely. I saw a picture of him, I think he was in his 60s. Um, he was looking pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. Ronnie Coleman, for example, is getting a fair bit of media attention at the moment. Well, I assume you've seen the, the video on, on, on Coleman. I've heard it. I haven't uh, seen it, but a lot of people tell me about it. Oh my goodness, he's had he's had about five back surgeries already, and he he, he he walks in a very very bad way, stooped over like like he's had you know a serious accident, and um, he said his only regret is that he never lifted heavy enough. I mean, he was probably one of if not the strongest bodybuilder that ever lived, but. Um, you know, to, to look like he does now, you have to say to yourself, wow, is that really worth all the punishment he puts himself through? And the other issues, is, you know, as we both know, although the muscle itself, you know, will, is going to get stronger, is uh, going to get bigger and stronger from the bandages they use, it's not, it's, the connective tissue is not going to get any stronger, you know. In fact, the connective tissue gives way, it frays. It becomes like a rope that's frayed. So, you know, I, I see a lot of the bodybuilders from back in the day, and I hate to say it, but a lot of them haven't aged very well yet. You know, I just think um, 
and I can only put that down to um, you know chemical abuse. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. It's obviously, the goal is not to short-term success, but long-term health. Um, the other, the other thing is also is, is the ability to make money from their successes. And I know your father was a very successful entrepreneur in his time. Um, and and I, I think um, Arnold probably picked up a little bit. Arnold seems to be reasonably successful in the entrepreneurial stakes as well. Yeah, Arnold is a very, very good businessman. You know, and in fact, he made a list uh, years ago, uh, which he showed to my dad in South Africa of all the things he wanted to achieve. He wanted to emulate my dad in um, having gyms which never materialized and nor did it need to, but he also wanted to emulate him in terms of, you know, winning uh, multiple titles and then getting into peace. And then, of course, you know, he got into real estate and he got into politics, so he's, he's, he's always had a very, very good business brain on him. And he's still in touch with... But, you know, the, I am. In fact, um, we saw him. My sister was here in the summer, and we we saw him. We had a nice breakfast together. My sister was um, is is um, uh, very involved in climate change, and in fact, she um, uh, started an organisation in South Africa from scratch uh, called Trees and Food for Africa, which she ran for over twenty years. It was a non-profit organisation. And um, what they would do is they'd go to the impoverished areas and um, teach them about sustaining themselves, uh, you know, from from the environment. And she was responsible for planting uh, several thousand, many thousand uh, trees throughout South Africa and got a lot of recognition. She was implemental in... Um, uh, in uh, McDonald's changing their, their, their packaging to biodegradable packaging. And in fact, the, the year my, my dad passed, um, she, um, she received uh, an award from the United Nations. She was only one of two people out of 800 people to get an award for all the work that she had done for the environment. So they having a meeting next year in May in South Africa called WCC, See, um, which is World Climate Change Cities, because unfortunately, um, what's going to um, happen is uh, Cape Town being the first. I'm sure you, you've seen about the problems they had with the water shortage. Yes, yes. But they ex they expect you know at least 11 other cities right throughout the world, even though a lot of them are in water, like London, like New York, like Los Angeles, like Sydney, um, and Rio. To, to, to have water problems. And Arnold, even though he's, uh, uh, you know, a Republican, I would say probably more fiscally so, he's a big proponent of, of, of climate change. And um, they're having a big uh, congress in, in uh, Cape Town. And uh, he's been invited as a guest speaker, so they asked uh, uh, my sister if she could contact him and uh, give him an invitation. So, you know, that was one of the points of discussion at the meeting. Uh, that's interesting insights into his, his views on climate change because obviously uh, in the current uh, White House administration it's not totally not very pro climate change to say the least but um, that's, a, that's a different discussion. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> I don't think either one of us wants to know there now. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll get to sidetrack. Side so um, 
uh, your, your father was one of the first to go to the movies or did he follow a, a, a series of bodybuilders into the movies? Actually, Steve Reeves was the first. Uh, Steve Reeves being second Mr. Universe after John Grimmick. John Grimmick won the first Mr. Universe and then uh, Steve Reeves came second and then Reeves won the second Mr. Universe. Uh, and my dad came second. And Reeves made a number of, not just Hercules movies, a number of other movies and he stopped making the Hercules uh, for, for whatever reason then my dad became the next Hercules. Yes, I mean, interesting. You know, that was another thing. Ian, sorry, uh, he, you know, he he never pursued it. Um, he actually used to find it quite boring sitting around set every day, which can be, you know. Yeah. And in fact, the funny story is when he was invited to do a screen test, uh, in hours, uh, you know, probably three or so at the time. Uh, we were in South Africa on the beach in Cape Town um, on vacation one December and um, some guy walked onto the beach with a telegram for my dad. I think it was from the local gymnasium. They checked my dad down. They phoned his gym in Johannesburg and um, they said he was in Cape Town on vacation with his family and uh, he was training at such and such a gym and they came with a telegram and was in the flight to Rome to do a... Uh, a screen test and uh, so you know he went and uh, after the screen test they said do you want to watch it and he said no I'd rather just go and work out <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he never um, you know really pursued it um, he had the opportunity to but uh, he just didn't really enjoy it too much yeah it's understandable obviously Arnold took it a lot more seriously yeah, oh yes for sure he did but that was one of his goals to emulate your father going into the movies. He just took it another step further to his script. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. But he, it's, uh, Arnold, uh, you know, he, he seems to have the Midas touch. Everything he touches seems to turn to gold. Yeah, he's a very determined human being. Yes. My, my dad said that he he was the most driven person that he's ever met. There you, you know, go. He had tremendous determination. And nothing would get in the way. Nothing would distract him. There you go. Wow. And he wouldn't be young now either, Arnold. He wouldn't be a young man now. So Arnold is uh, 71 today. Well, as in today's his birthday? Or? And, and not today, I mean as in... As, as in, we speak, yes. Right now. His birthday's, yeah, his, his birthday's in July. When we saw him, he had, um, you know, he had uh, heart surgery. Um, earlier in the year and um, they had to replace a valve because um, he had heart surgery 10 years ago where they replaced the valve and he knew he'd have to go back again and there were some complications so as a, as a result you know he's franchised the Arnold Classic to six continents now throughout the world and very successful but um he wasn't able to, they had the first one in South Africa two years ago where he did a tremendous tribute uh, for my dad. He had the Reg Park Award and of course it was also at the same time that my mom had passed so he attended the memorial service and he, I must say he was extremely magnanimous. Um, he spoke uh, about 
my parents and my family. But he wasn't able to attend um, this this year, um, that and several of the others because of the procedure. So when we saw him, it's the first time we'd seen him since his procedure. And um, he was just happy, you know, to be back. And you could see he was a little bit guarded on the left with his move. But he's back training again now. And, of course, you know, obviously being... Um, weights but you know in a very controlled manner and of course doing cardio and he rides he rides his, his bicycle a lot you know street bicycle so um, he was just happy to be up and moving again I was in Columbus Ohio recently where he's had that the, the original Arnold Clash wasn't great story of his loyalty to the city um, and, and, and loyalty to the the host uh, that started it there, that they went in business many, many years ago. So he's obviously you know, got some loyalty in business as well and shown good loyalty to your family as well. Well, yes. Well, his partner in that event is Jim Lorimer. That's it. And uh, Arnold, en- uh, Arnold entered in, in a, a Mr. Wolf competition in Columbus, Ohio, which Lorimer was host of. He was always intrigued interested in body in world. And Arnold was so impressed with how he ran the event. I kind of found the doldrums where they would run school halls, etc. And it was kind of very poor back in the And he said, when he retires from competition, he wants to come back and, and uh, co-host shows. So for many years, they hosted the uh, Mr. Olympia. Um, but then the FBB came out with a ruling that, you know, it can't just be in one place all the time, although now it is back in in one place. It's in Vegas the last number of years. But they wanted to spread it out throughout the world and to different venues. So he then had the Pro Mr. Universe, and then they came up with the idea of the Arnold Classic, which I think is actually quite brilliant. And um, it's... You know the, the 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 biggest event in bodybuilding is 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 the Olympia in bodybuilding because say that in terms of an actual sports event, the Arnold Classic is way bigger because it's now grown to numerous different sports, not just bodybuilding. Yes, and uh, it, it's become a festival now in every city that they have it. I think the the one in Australia is held in Melbourne, but it's become a, a, a whole three day. Uh, over a weekend festival now, uh, uh, which includes bicycle riding, uh, 10k. Uh, uh, they can have UFC now connected to the Arnold Classic. Wow. You know, karate. Uh, even uh, I think uh, this this year they introduced swimming into the Arnold Classic. Wow! So it's become. Well, I think it's considered like. I think number five, obviously, the Olympics being the biggest sports, international sports festival. Then there's the Commonwealth Games and American Games, probably World Student Games. And I think in the Games, but I think this is considered number five in terms of world sports. Right. That is very successful. So let's talk about training. We, we, you know, you, 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 you were exposed to some very advanced training methods back in your childhood. Um, has, has strength training advanced in that what, you know, really 50 years you've been uh, conscious of uh, strength training? Has it changed? Has it advanced? Yeah, I think probably of the same school in that we've given the, the, the principles. Um, it's changed 
I'm not sure if it's advanced in, um, you know, there's a lot of machinery around today, which uh, I think is superfluous. Uh, and, uh, in fact, um, you visited my previous gym privately coming in for the first time. I had gotten rid of like 15 different machines. And it ruffled a few feathers, and as a result, every time in has left, um, I really don't think you can get away from the basics. I don't train on any of my clients other than on any machine for, you know, um, you know, backward pull downs or tricep work. I don't really use machines. Um, uh, I, I think uh, they're convenient. Um, I think they're too isolated. I think if you've got joint issues, they can compound the joint issues because you're so fixed in one position, you can't find a natural free range for your, for your joints that you can deal with. So from that sense, um, I, you know, I don't think it's advanced that much because I think the fundamentals that, that, that uh, we started with are pretty much the same, you know, just for example, going back to this whole five by five principle, you know, maybe they've improved techniques to a degree, um, but uh, you know, in, 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 in the whole scheme of things, you know, they've got the buzzword uh, functional training today. Is there some credence to it? Yeah, absolutely, there is. But I think it's become totally overused, um, and they're doing all these kind of. I guess you could call them interesting movements, which I think getting away from the fundamentals. And I think people have to understand why are you doing strength training? Are you doing strength training to get stronger? Uh, um, if you want fitness, there are, there are other ways to achieve fitness. Um, you know, I think you're a big proponent of. Uh, I know you are a big proponent of stretching, which I am too. You know, and today every one of my clients before they even touch their weight was stretching. Um, I think that's probably a lot more advanced than it used to be uh, because, you know, even uh, they didn't even believe in stretching much, uh, yeah. which is, is pretty naive. But uh, frankly, I won't pick up a weight until I've spent at least half an hour stretching Good man. my body before I even do a workout. Good man. You know? gets more important. So, um, you know, uh, and, and I know you've always been a proponent, but I think, um, you know, I really, uh, frankly, don't see a huge advancement in strength training. There's a lot of articles you read, and there's this way of training and that way of training, but I think, you know, fundamentally, if you want to incorporate everything, uh, fast twitch, split twitch, medium twitch, you know, you've got to have a rep range of anywhere from 15 down to five or three or one, depending on what you want to achieve. But I think if, if you want maximum, you've got to, you know, incorporate all three systems of training, all, all, all the different fibers, all, all the different reps. Excellent. So, one of the, when you mentioned... I, I just think... Sorry, carry on. When you mentioned the names before you, J.C. Grimmick, um, 
uh, Reeves and your, and your father. Uh, one of the things I noted uh, when I entered the industry in 1980 professionally was the shift in their shape from that from that genre to really the Arnold. For me, was the first one that whose shape was changed relative to the others, and that that was a, was one of the triggers for me to develop the lines of movement concept, where I wanted to understand uh, how to avoid the the what I saw as negative shapes that the, the bodybuilders were getting at that level. Uh, and when I introduced the concept of horizontal push-pull, vertical push-pull, hip and quad dominant. Um, and at those stage, I was just dealing with the, 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 the bench press dominance and the horizontal push and the quad dominance from the squatting. But from my observation post-2000, we've got two, two new imbalances that we're dealing with that we weren't even dealing with before. And one of them is thoracic extension. That comes from a lot of long-levered movement in front like kettlebell work. It comes from a lot of cheated movement. Uh, it comes from actually doing control drills um, that I introduced, but done in an ex- extremely loaded way, and the body can't do it, so the thoracic has to be involved. So we're getting, uh, and, and CrossFit, for uh, Olympic lifting done under fatigue, we're getting a whole new epidemic of, of what I call thoracic extension as, as a, a dominant imbalance. And then the fourth uh, addition uh, is rotational imbalances. I've seen rotational imbalances out of strength training that in the past were, were the domain of a golfer. So we've got two whole new categories of imbalances that we didn't have um, you know, between the 80 and 1980 and 2000, when I when I when I focused to eliminate the first two, so realistically, from a global perspective, I failed to eliminate the first two, mainly because people didn't teach my intents properly. But um, we've now got a two more, and I've identified that in my more most recent book, um, How to Transfer, where I speak about those four imbalances. I'm sure you saw those shape changes over the years. Well, that's interesting, and I have another point that I'd like to pick up after. I mentioned this, but a number of years ago at the Arnold Classic, uh, Arnold actually, you know, he always gives a speech at the at the, at the actual bodybuilding event, and he actually had a go at the at the judges uh, in in Columbus, Ohio, which went internationally viral. Columbus, Ohio, is the is the premiere of Arnold Classic shows, and he said, "You you have to go, and this has to change. Uh, this is unacceptable." Uh, I'm not saying exactly his words, but this was a message. You can't have bodybuilders competing who look like they're nine months pregnant. And in fact, in the latest Mr. Olympia, um, this the current uh, the seven-time Mr. Olympia who is trying to equal the um, record of Lee Haney and, and and Ronnie Coleman, the guy by the name of Phil Heath, he came second. Uh, a guy, um, I think, actually won it. And they gave it to him is because the waistline is much smaller than than Phil Heath. While they have a lot of muscle man, they all descended in the waist, which is totally taken away from the aesthetic look of 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 the body. And 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 you're 100% right. And uh, you know you see the poundages they're using. I'm not a proponent of CrossFit at all. Um, I don't think your body can. You know, I think you and I had this discussion. If you look at an Olympic lifter or if you look at a power lifter, they don't do the lift multiple times. They do it once. And I don't think your body can possibly handle all that time under load. And in fact, uh, one of my clients, her niece, was a big proponent of CrossFit and she developed a condition, uh, forgive me for not knowing the medical term, and, and it was exactly from that, doing those kind of movements with too much time under load. Uh, it was, you know, uh, having an effect on her quadriceps and her whole body, so she actually had to, had to stop doing that entirely. And, and absolutely not the same thing as with, with this kettlebells. But 
I, I'd like to add uh, 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 something else, which is a problem in the last 30 years, which I see all the time, um, is, is, is protraction of, of, of the scapula. And in fact, now, the, 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 medical, the medics have written uh, white papers on, on a condition which is very, very prevalent with the youngsters today called Texnec. And um, you've seen this over the years too, uh, Ian, I think the type of training that a lot of these people doing, i.e. CrossFit, and just you know focusing on heavy, heavy benching all the time, is, is, is not actually helping that condition. All it's doing is, is, is it's exacerbating the condition. Absolutely. I see a lot of guys with big frontal uh, deltoids, um, and there's a complete imbalance, which is another reason why I think there's such an issue with a huge percentage of the population of people who train with rotator cuff injuries, because there's such an imbalance between the, the, um, the anterior and the posterior deltoid. Um, and, and, and these guys, you know, like there's a youngster who used to work for me, he's gone through some uh, health issues, etc. and he's in the gym, and he, all he does is bench press and biceps. And, and, and this is what you see. How common do you see that in, in the gym with all these young guys that are training so you have balance? Huh? What's the opposite of the chest? After you finish working the chest, you want to open it up. You're not working your, you know, your rows. You've got to do all the rising up. Excellent. I appreciate that. We got a question from David. David, you've been very patient for me. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering. I think nowadays a lot of people uh, have access to a lot of um, information on the internet, and um, the people that give that advice, they may or may not have lifted uh, a weight themselves. I don't know. But but you were um, very lucky and fortunate, uh, John John, to to be able to learn from the best. So I was wondering, what is what is the main advice that you received um, in, in training from, from your father and the other people that you met? Um, that's a very good question. And as I've got older, I've applied more. And certainly with the clientele that I trained who are mostly in 60s and up, is um, don't overtrain. Um, I think you have to understand why you're in a gym. Again, I go back to what I said earlier. Um, if you're going to a gym for strength training, then it shouldn't become an endurance workout. And one has to take into consideration glycogen depletion. And I don't see that uh, of doing unless you somebody is really young and, 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 and you know in the prime of your youth and you. Uh, you, you're not working and uh, you're able to eat, sleep and train and that's all you do all day long, it's your profession. I, I don't see the point of people doing 15 and 20 sets of chest work. Okay. Um, to build strength and muscle mass, what you need is compound movement. The other exercises are secondary. Uh, with my training today, and I can only use me as an example, and I think I've, I've basically taken that 5 by 5 principle I'd like to call it generation two. I only do one exercise per body part. Time is a factor as well. And I don't do more than three minutes. Because if you think about it, if you train intense enough, you're going to deplete your glycogen at least by 10. Or eight, uh, uh, lifting a pallet. Appreciate 
Appreciate that, John John. Do we have any other questions from any, anyone else in the audience for John John? Well, John, it's been a while since we've had a chat. Um, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity to meet quite a few times. So I've appreciated your hospitality in Los Angeles, and uh, I trust all is well. Um, I, I enjoy our time together, and and have learned a lot about the history of the strength training, bodybuilding through you and your family. And my favourite picture, I tell you, is your father on the beach, uh, diamond head in the background, um, Waikiki yeah. Beach, 1949. It's a, it's a beautiful photo. Yes, the one with his arms in there. That's it. Yes, yes. Well, Ian, I, I appreciate, as always, it's been a while. Um, I know you times pass through Los Angeles. If you could please give me a heads up, I would like to see you again and sit down and have a meal and talk some more. You know, I like talking with like-minded individuals. And I just, you know, say this uh, without patronising you, but honestly... Um, I feel uh, blessed that, you know, I had my dad as a mentor um, and um, I'm also blessed that I've had an opportunity to meet some certain people in life I've learned from as well and uh, you're certainly one of them and I appreciate, you know, attending your seminars and all the literature you've given me on, on, on everything that you've published as well. So if I don't speak to you before the end of the year, I just want to wish you and your family uh, very, very happy holidays, and uh, I look forward to touching base with you soon. I appreciate it, and same back to your family. Say hello to your sister. I believe she's still in South Africa, um, and condolences with your mother. She had a, she had a, a great life with a great husband, and um, we know they're together now. So we have um, look after our, our next generation and pass on the wisdoms we received. Yes, absolutely. Beautiful, John. Thank you. We'll be in Los Angeles in, in, pretty shortly. Uh, we'll catch up. Um, look forward to it. So stay, stay, stay healthy and safe till then. Thank you.